You know what time it is. Twitter Tuesday, the Hall of Fame class of 2022. Did Matthew Stafford cement himself into that class? Aaron Donald surely already has. The next step in positionless football, free agency draft. It's off-season time on this Twitter Tuesday. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Twitter Tuesday edition. You know how things go here. Our Twitter questions at the Peacock at Williamson NFL is where you can find us and get those questions in really anytime during the week. But prior to Tuesdays is the best time to jump in on or respond to one of our tweets if we're asking for questions. Usually we have enough and we don't really need to do that. So I do apologize. Uh, in advance for those listeners who put in questions that we don't get to today. And Matt tends to get really long-winded in these, so uh, don't do. blame me. No, <laughs> it's really easy. With <laughs> with a good question, it's really easy to go for an entire segment. And, and we really appreciate the listeners always throwing out really good questions and a lot pertaining to the Hall of Fame class of 2022 and Hall of Fame classes beyond, Matt. We'll talk free agency and draft as well with some of these questions today as it is now officially the offseason for all 32 teams in the NFL. It's draft season, free agency season, trade season. So those are going to be hot topics here for sure. Go Pat says, hey guys, what do you think of the new Hall of Fame class with Seymour and Bryant Young getting inducted? Indication that voters will start giving guys doing dirty work in the trenches without gaudy sack numbers. The nod. What do you think? Let's let's go through this whole class, shall we, Matt? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. You, you want to read and, them off? I'll, I'll read them off here. I, I a, there was okay. there was the five um, the five modern day. I don't even re- remember how they word it here. There's like the veterans committee in the modern day class, and there's five modern day uh, Hall of Famers, and then there was three more added with the veterans committee to give us eight Hall of Famers in the 2022 class, and it starts with Tony Baselli again to. Go Pats' point here with the questions. Dirty work in the trenches. You, you, you know, he's not a long, a career-long stat right, accumulator right. guy. It was uh, it was how high of a level he played for a short time is why Tony Baselli is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Leroy Butler got in. Sam Mills, he's been waiting for a while. He gets the nod. Richard Seymour and Bryant Young, interior defensive linemen, both getting the nod for the Hall of Fame class of 2022. And then Cliff Branch, talking about Sam Mills waiting a while. Cliff Branch has been waiting a long time, track star. Uh, He is in the Hall of Fame, as is Art McNally, an official, a longtime official in the NFL, and coach Dick Vermeil. So those are the eight Hall of Famers, but the question specifically, let's start with those defensive linemen. And Matt, I got to be honest, we talked about, we were asked this question about who we thought would get in. I thought Richard Seymour and Bryant Young potentially could be Hall of Very Good, Hall of Great, not Hall of Famers, just because of those statistics, just because of the positions they played. I wouldn't have been shocked if they never got in and they were the sort of the last barrier. It's like, okay, you got to be better than Bryant Young. You got to be better than Richard Seymour to get into the Hall of Fame as interior defensive linemen. And we've got some really good ones that are going to be coming up uh, of, the, of, an, of the now generation of players that are still playing. But Richard Seymour and Bryant Young, are you a little bit surprised as I am, even as a guy who's a huge Bryant Young fan? I mean, he dominated. But end of career, it wasn't as flashy as someone like Aaron Donald or some other sack collectors that are in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm a little bit surprised that Seymour and Bryant Young both got in. I am too. Um, you know, if people listen to the other episode where we previewed this briefly, I thought this is about the weakest group of nominees you'll ever see. And I understand that 
Matt, these guys are awesome. I'm like, I, I, ugliest girl to beauty pageant, right. you know, <laughs> you know, uh, worst graduate from M- MIT. Yeah, I mean, I understand that this is an elite class. You know, it, it's an elite honor. So I'm just comparing them to other Hall of Famers, folks. Don't be like Williamson hates Sam Mills. You know, no, I respect all these guys. They're all great players. Um, I didn't think there was any slam dunks of the potential nominees. So I think it really worked out for the Bryant Youngs and Seymours of the worlds that had great careers, but just don't have as impressive resumes on paper. And if I'm a Vince Wilfork, I have a little more optimism now. You know, I mean, guys like that that aren't going to compile stats. I (laughs) This sounds terrible, and I'm a big Hall of Fame guy, as people know. I'm into it. I've been there many times. We used to host recruiting trips in the, the back, you know, bowels of the Hall of Fame itself. It's awesome. Um, I don't think any of these guys deserve it, <laughs> to be Woo, honest. Okay. I, I mean, that, that, We're scorching a on a take. Tuesday. Okay, Matt Williams is setting the whole the <laughs> right. whole building, the whole museum on fire. Fire, just burn it up. I, I've been lobbying for Richard Seymour for a long time. I never thought he'd get in, but he would have gotten my vote in several classes. Baselli was great, but there's a big knock that he was only great for five years or so. Again, none of these guys are slam dunks to me. I, I can't really comment intelligently on Art McNally. I'm sure he was a wonderful ref, so maybe yeah. he's a no-brainer. I don't know. Um, Dick Vermeil, real quick, just to show you I'm not a homer, I've said this often that Bill Cower, who just got in in terms of what it takes to be a coach to get in, I thought was about as borderline as you could get, and he probably wouldn't have got my vote. Vermeil to me, is on that level. You know, Vermeil versus Cower, if that's the bar now, is about the same. I just think that bar's a little low. Art McNally, by the way, he was involved in the NFL from 1959 to 2015. So it's a very long time, sort of a wow. lifetime achievement award type of thing, I think, for Art McNally. Probably did a lot for the league that we don't realize, including being, quote, the father of instant replay. So I don't know if that oh, makes okay. me like him more or less, to be honest, with the, with how instant replay goes sometimes. But I mean, that's a I mean, that's a huge part of the game that he was a part of. So I understand why folks like that get in and they deserve the nod. You know, someone that I didn't know anything about was Art McNally. And now he's in the hall and I get to learn a little bit about the history of the game. So that's great. Sam Mills is another guy I never thought he'd quite get in. And I think all of the, I think Seymour, I think Bryant Young, uh, I think, and really Baselli, I think the whole class, all five of them probably, it helped them quite a bit that this was a little bit of a weaker class and and they were able to, to, uh, let a bottleneck of very good players into the hall that were deserving, but that might have been a lot longer conversations and might have been held out in other years when there was more obvious, you know, when the Peyton Mannings are up and those guys are up, it's going to be more difficult for these types of players to get in the Hall of Fame, even though they're very deserving. Like Leroy Butler, I remember him being good, but I was like, okay, pretty darn good resume. Super Bowls, uh, four-time All-Pro um, Bryant Young was a multi-time All-Pro. He won a Super Bowl sure. as well. So I think those are really big things when you start looking back at accolades and when you start notching uh, an all-decade team. You know, both Seymour was a 2000s all-decade team guy. Bryant Young was a 90s all-decade team guy. Um, Leroy Butler was an all-1990s all-decade team guy. So I think those were the things that helped those players specifically get in. I hear you. I like the all-decade team thing, too. My problem with all-decade is if player X is drafted in 85, 95, 05, and plays four or five good years in one decade, four or five good years in the next decade, well, he's not going to get in. You know, like, it helps to get drafted in 
with a, the, the year being a zero or a one or <laughs> right. something like that and play the whole decade, you know, for your career. Um, again, I feel like I'm just bashing this class and I don't mean to so much, but like Leroy Butler to me, isn't Ed Reed or Paul Amalu. Um, Sam Mills isn't Erlacher. You know, I mean, I'm talking about recent guys that have gotten in. Uh, I mean, uh, Cliff Branch is one of my favorite ones that did get in, and he was one that had the weight. He's a veterans committee guy. Um, that era, if you look in NFL history, the 70s didn't have a ton of great wide receivers. You know, I mean, there was um, you know, Drew Pearson went in yesterday from the last year from the veterans committee. It's kind of a weak era for wide receivers and branch was one of the best. So I have no problem with that. Yeah, And for me, it's, it's when, when it comes to a, a player that was before my time and I and never watched Cliff, Cliff branch play. Um, but I know about him and I know he was a track yeah, guy yeah. and I know he played for the Raiders and had all this speed and it was an all time great. And you know, he was a, uh, a first team all pro three times and you know it was part of Super Bowl teams and so uh the history of the game tells you about players and so Cliff Branch I'm not surprised he got in but it's hard for me to rate him amongst his peers because I didn't watch football during that time I know he was feared and hated around here I mean those 70s Steeler Raider rivalries Branch was a scary dude and often got Mel Blunt and quick little Steeler Raider story that just reminds me of Cliff Branch is I guess I, I think I'm getting this right Mid-70s, they're coming here for a playoff game, and weather's terrible, all icy, and I guess the Steeler ground crew, supposedly their tarp only covered inside the hashes, so it was all ice outside the hashes, which kind of slowed down Clifford Branch, coincidentally. (laughs) The the Raiders weren't real thrilled with that. Uh, I love that. I, I love that kind of stuff. That's that's fantastic. All right, so that's the class of 2022. <laughs> Next, let's answer a question that has to do with future Hall of Fame classes. Did Matthew Stafford cement his bust in Canton with a Super Bowl victory? That and more coming up. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. The season is over, but you can still bet on football at Bet Online. Those Super Bowl odds are up at BetOnline.net. NFL draft props as well. But of course, the tournament is coming. College hoops, pro hoops, NHL. Hopefully, there's a Major League Baseball season to bet on at BetOnline.net, UFC, and of course, those casino games as well. All available at BetOnline.net, which continues to be the best spot for all your sports scores and news and betting this season. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and all of the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Matt, this question from Josh, who is the Jerry Rice of question askers. He says, there's been some chatter about Matthew Stafford cementing a spot at Canton with this victory, the Super Bowl victory. I think that's incredibly premature, given that he has never been the best at his position for a season and may not even have the best uh, been the best QB in the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Matthew Stafford getting that Super Bowl win. Again, he's got no MVPs in his career. There's been a lot of arguments on Twitter about Matthew Stafford versus Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's got an MVP, a league MVP. If you put Stafford in, you got to put Ryan in. If you put Ryan in, got to put Stafford in. I kind of side with Josh here and say uh, to me that neither one get in. But are we at the point where, okay, 
you put up a lot of stats. You were a, a number one overall pick. You won a Super Bowl. Now you're in because I feel like it's so many quarterbacks are going to get in. I think there's some tough decisions to make with guys like Phillip Rivers. Do, do they get in? Um, and uh, I think the bar has to be higher for quarterbacks these days. I think statistically, I think just one Super Bowl is not enough. Matthew Stafford, no. I don't think he cements himself at all. Now, does he get in? That's another question. Do I think he should cement himself in as his career currently is constructed? Uh, no. I agree. I, I do not think you know, cementing himself in definitely is not the case. And to me, if he retired right this minute, he is not in. I'm pulling up a couple things. He's 34. Okay. I was just curious of his age. I just wanted to be sure. Um, and then I also pulled up the all-time passing yards leaders, which to your point, I'm not sure means that much anymore. You know, I mean, even the Marinos and Fouts that threw like crazy in the 80s don't compare to the volume nowadays. But that being said, Stafford is currently 12th all-time. He will probably pass John Elway next year. He's ahead of Warren Moon, Fran Tarkington. You know, I mean, guys that are Hall of Fame-type dudes. But to give you some, you know, pull back back a little bit, Matt Ryan's eighth. Matt Ryan almost has 60,000 passing yards. Stafford almost has 50,000 passing yards. So he has 10,000 behind Ryan, who I also don't consider a Hall of Famer. You know, like, um, but I also think Stafford at his age has a much better chance of improving his resume than Ryan does. I, I'm really worried yeah. about the Falcons next year, and Ryan could fade away in a Ben-like manner pretty quick. I feel like the Falcons got to move on from Matt Ryan. I think a team that wants to win right now would be willing to pay for it. Get Matt Ryan, maybe get Matt Ryan that ring. Maybe. How about this for a question? What if Matt Ryan goes to a team? Let's say, let's say the Steelers trade for Matt Ryan, Mm -hmm. and the Steelers go win a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's got a better resume than Matt Stafford. Does Matt Ryan become a lock for the Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl victory? Does that put him in? I would still keep him out, probably. Yeah, I never thought of him in that light, like. The Boy, best that's of one the, the best. best five quarterbacks in the league, yes. without question. You know what I mean? Any at any point, even his MVP year was great, but that was clearly his highest peak. I mean, a Super Bowl victory would go a long way. Adds, you know, just you have a, an MVP, two Super Bowl appearances, you know, more passing yards than anyone besides five guys probably when it's all said and done. I mean, he's going to pass Marino next year and be seventh all time. He'll probably catch Rivers. He might catch Ben if he sticks around for two more years. I mean, if you end up in the top five or six passing leaders ever, it's hard to keep you out. But I don't look at either one of those in that light. Um, I think Stafford's case, though, took a a big step forward, though, this year. I mean, uh, quarterbacking a good team, taking the Super Bowl, winning it. And if he can win you know, 10 games a year with the Rams the next three years, some playoff success, I would be a lot more open to it where I don't know Ryan's path to get in at this point. There was a question about Aaron Donald, and that's a different answer for me. He absolutely is a Hall of Famer if he retires, and I don't think he's going to retire at age 30. There's a lot more there, but the consistency of how dominant he's been, it's, it's something we haven't seen for a long time. I think J.J. Watt, maybe I might take prime J.J. Watt. I was just looking at some stats. For a four-year span of J.J. Watt's career, he had 69 sacks, and he batted down, I think, more passes, had more pass breakups than any defensive back in the league. Like This guy <laughs> dominated for that span more 
more than anybody, including Donald, I think. But career-wise, Donald's got him. Uh, I think they probably both get into the Hall of Fame. But Donald retires today. He's absolutely in. Absolutely in. And what, what's kind of interesting is if Donald does hang it up this year, the class in five years is going to be Brady, Ben, Gronk, Donald, and maybe like Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. There's no Hall of Maybes getting in that year, uh, no. and and that's crazy because maybe the best offensive player in Tom Brady, maybe the best defensive player of all time in the same class. If that happens, I don't think it's happening. The but, best tight end too, right? Yeah, that's that's you know, amazing. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. There's a question. Uh, Scott says, who are the top free agents available? That is a multi-series podcast answer that we will have for you this offseason. And those things are coming. Matt's sending me new spreadsheets and new lists every day of top five players at their positions in the draft, top free agents. So it's going to be a fun lock. Put your seatbelt on. It's going to be a fun 2022 offseason. Very many more uh, podcasts to come on those subjects. Uh Lionel has a question here that's interesting. What's the next positionless role that needs to emerge on offense or defense in the NFL, i.e. wide back is what they're calling Debo Samuel, wide receiver running back, uh, the linebacker edge hybrids, the, the safety linebacker hybrids, etc. Do you see the new a new positionless role coming in the NFL? I have an answer here, but uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, Matt. Um. I don't think there'll be any lineman tight end hybrids or linemen I mean, on offense, linemen of any sort hybrids. But really, Kyle Pitts, Mike Gusecki, those guys are as much wide receiver as they are tight ends. You know, and, that's, so, and we've already been there. Like Travis yeah, Kelsey exists. is is already that, and I just think that there's there's going to be more and more of that. And yes. and a lot of it is you you just want the uh, the other eleven guys to treat you as the wrong position, essentially. Exactly. Right? So it's all you, about personnel you, grouping. You gotta stop treating Travis Kelsey as a tight end. He's a receiver. You count him as a receiver. Right. I mean, if he's on the field, it's not base, he's a receiver. You play nickel, you play dime. And you can match up with um, a bigger defensive back if you want, but uh, you know, putting a, a lead footed linebacker, which is those don't exist hardly at all anymore, which is probably the new thing. And, and in fact, that's probably what I would say, because of those reasons, because you have to cover so much of the field because everybody who's not one of your four pass rushers on any given down has to be able to cover so I just think pure linebackers is what's on the way out and we're just gonna have more safeties on the field essentially so and and here's the thing is, is this is where teams will get an advantage you don't want a box safety who can't cover trying to play him at linebacker because now you just have a lighter linebacker that still is not good at covering because I see that a lot. I see that a lot. Players are like, oh, you know, this guy's a modern-day linebacker because he's a a DB that can't cover. It's like, no, you want the opposite. You want a guy who can do both. You want a guy who's, and it's okay if you're 215 pounds, but if you can't cover very well still and you're 215 pounds, now you're not good to me at all. I would much rather have a 230 guy that's pretty solid um, against the run that can cover a little than a than a 215-pound safety that's not very good in coverage and is super stiff either. So I think that's another thing is some teams will be looking for these types of positionless roles, and what they're going to find is a wide receiver who's not a very good wide receiver and not a very good running back. He's just built a certain way instead of finding a guy who's really good at both. Find a guy who's really good at tackling and really good at covering, and who cares what his position call is called? Find a guy who's really good with the ball in his hands and who can catch really well, and who cares what the position is? And I think a lot of teams will force these roles and find tweeners who aren't good at both rather than finding Debo Samuel who's great at both. 100% agree. And 
here's two thoughts I, ha- I have though trying to you know predict the future is in 10 years might we get offensive skill positions football card and it doesn't say te wider wr or rb you know that they're all kind of the same and what i mean by that is well defensive coordinators just start assigning things we won't have 11 personnel we won't have 12 personnel we'll just call it Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I got to play nickel against that. And we're going to call that <laughs> nine or one, you know, whatever it is, you know, that uh, you know, as opposed to is that guy a tight end or a wide receiver? Who right. cares? You know, who you, cares what's on his football card? Yeah, the, the football card thing will just say FP for football player instead of right, uh, WRRB. Now, for, for coordinators, they need to have their letters assigned to guys just so they know where to stand and where to start. But, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, they might just scrap all that, though, on defense and – not oh, call them wide receivers. Let's yes. call him. He he gets a numer he gets a numeric value of one because he's Patrick Ricard and all he does is block. Where right. Tyree kills a ten. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you're just up and yeah. You're you're just treating the eligibles. There's five linemen and a quarterback, and the other five yeah. guys are just eligibles. It's like okay, exactly. where where are the five eligibles standing? Because we're treating them the same every time. And I don't know enough about basketball, but they have five guys too. I mean, you don't just call this guy a forward and this guy. There's not always a center, two forwards, oh, two yeah. guards on the field. It's getting like yeah, when they announce the starting lineups at a basketball game. There's still a you know a one through five. There's a point guard, a shooting guard, and but especially those wings and those forwards, like the two through four centers are almost going away completely. You've got the stretch fours and and like yeah, it's starting to be a very confusing about what exactly players are. And when you get a guy like Kevin Durant, who's six eleven and also can play shooting guard, you just throw that and stuff hit threes out from mid right. court. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So here's one though. Let's say that you do not have a star quarterback. You don't have Mahomes, Brady, whatever style quarterback you you, you want to pick. Instead, you have two preferably young, cheap guys that are Taysom Hill, um, Jalen Hurts, Cordell Stewart, uh, whoever, you know, I mean, just athletic guys that also can throw. If I'm the Saints and I had two Taysom Hills, what if I put them on the field together? And I don't know who the guy is going, I don't know who the ball is getting snapped to. You know, it's not like Flacco standing there while you snap it to Lamar and Joe doesn't even move his feet or splitting Drew Brees out wide. Like these guys are actually football players that run routes. They block, you know, and if they get hurt, so what? Find someone just like them. I love that. So you have, instead of one quarterback on the field, you have a total of one quarterback, but it's two half quarterbacks. The right, equal right, one right. quarterback. And both and the, can throw and, traditional and they're, passes. And they're, and they're split. Nobody's lined up behind the center. So the center has to be like really good because he can snap it behind the the right guard or the left guard or snap it all the way back behind the left tackle where the the other quarterback one and quarterback two are standing you don't know where the ball's even going to start to start a play just to confuse the defense even more and and in that sort of a way because the Taysom Hill thing I haven't loved but if you have two Taysom Hills does that start to give you an advantage that's a good question and and I only have eight million invested in my quarterback room and I have three guys like that and one of them gets hurt a lot and you know one of them's a fifth round pick that is really athletic and I want the ball in his hands or like old Nebraska corn husker, Tommy Frazier types. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, that didn't have a spot in the NFL, but we're really good. You know, they, they should, they're good football players. There's so many fewer shutdown corners this day and age too. this day and age. And I think it's more difficult to be a shutdown corner, which is part of the problem. 
I mean, essentially, is it just they're going to be all safeties, right? Safeties with different, uh, you know, depending on how much range they have is how close they play to the line of scrimmage. You just have four defensive linemen and a whole bunch of safeties on the field at all times. Kind of, yeah. You might be right. Play a lot of zone, and they can still yeah. man up because they're athletic. We're seeing more athletic safeties and less and fewer shutdown corners. But what's kind of funny to me is I do think this game still comes full circle a lot because a couple years ago, nobody wanted nose tackles because they're too slow. We want speed. But now if I'm going to play with basically to your point, six or seven safeties or defensive backs on the field, I need somebody that can at least eat blocks in the middle. So right. now I need the nose tackle type. Yeah, know? and so if a team goes too light on defense, you have a, and the 49ers are a good example. They're still running the ball at a high clip. They, they're they running 21 personnel. D- the, does the league zag? Because that's where you have an advantage now. And you were talking about how lineman hybrids and safety hybrids, maybe that's the way to go. You have, you're, you're running fullbacks out there. You're running big tight ends that can actually block out there. Mm-hmm. And now you're gaining your advantage back in a different way because the league zigged one way and you're zagging the opposite way first. Interesting. Yep, yep. And the Patriots are always a good example too, because they look at things differently. And, you know, recently their defense has been almost all nickel. Like rarely do you see a three, four or a four, three on the field for new England. It's always five or more defensive backs, usually big nickel though, with three safeties, two corners, but they can go, you know, dime, but their defensive tackles are, Malcolm Brown and Lawrence Guy, mm-hmm. and they put two hogs in the middle, and then they just have a bunch of guys that can flow behind them. Right, because you can't if you're getting blown off the ball, then they're they're still too easy of an advantage for the offense, and and we're yeah, seeing yeah. that a little bit with the Chargers and exactly. uh, and Brandon Staley's defense. It's like okay, you can go nickel all the time, play a whole bunch of cover four, but that doesn't work for you if you can't stop the run first. And when you don't have Aaron Donald anymore, I think uh, you find out how difficult that is. So maybe just finding a couple three hundred fifty pounders is the way you fix that up the middle, and then you can have speed everywhere else. Yeah, then you have nine other fast guys or yes. whatever, you know. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and we're already seeing that. Like, And that's the, that's yeah, the yeah. obvious direction the league is going. Yeah, but it always – you can't go too far because everyone's going to zag on you, you know. We got a question about the Bengals' game plan in Super Bowl 56 and uh, a lot more other things. Free agency, the draft, coming up and finish up this Twitter Tuesday next. The ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's pretty much impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need for your specific vehicle. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, you know, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? You have computers at your fingertips that can access rockauto.com at home or even in your pocket. So save time and money using Rock Auto. Don't spend that extra 30, 50, even 100% more on chain store parts or at the car dealership when you can get it at rockauto.com for example for that honda odyssey i mentioned earlier fuel pump at a chain store you're looking at 350 bucks you can get it for 216 dollars the same part at rockauto.com so go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck you can write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com to Anthony on Twitter says, just read that the Bengals didn't attempt one screen pass all game. With such bad O-line play, do you think or did you expect somewhat more of a screen game with Mixon? Also, why wasn't Mixon getting that crucial third and one over P. Ryan? 
lots of good questions, and I, yeah, I have big questions about Zach Taylor's game plan. We talked about it right here on the podcast, Matt, that I thought it was going to be a hugely screen-heavy game plan. Try to get not only Mixon going, but try to get your best playmaker on offense in Jamar Chase going, especially if he was going to be covered a lot by Jalen Ramsey. And uh, that was a huge shock to me that there wasn't more screen passes in that game plan, especially after the Joe Burrow injury, because that's the easiest way to get the ball to your playmaker's hands with a, an injured quarterback. I think this is a tremendous question, and I don't have a tremendous answer for it. I will say coaches know more about football than we do. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, like just a couple things to defend the Bengals, which I'm just throwing it out there. During those two weeks of prep, I'm sure somebody, you know, one of their offensive assistants told that Zach Taylor, boy, the Rams are either really good, really bad, or really average against screens. I don't know that answer. Are they a good screen defense? Are they a bad screen defense? I don't know. I also don't know, are the Bengals a good screen offense or not? Have they been successful with screens all year? My hunch is you would think yes, because Burrow would sell it well. Mixon and even P. Ryan would be really good in that capacity. However, a hard thing about screens, like Andy Reid runs screens to death and practices it like crazy. You really have to rep screens. And your linemen have to be good. Like, is Quentin Spain good at screens at 350 pounds? You know, like, their line might make that harder than it looks. You know, because you got to time it perfectly. You can't get downfield. You have to have blockers that can go hit smaller moving objects, you know, and I'm not sure that the Bengals line is great at that, but again, great question. I mean, screen slow down pass rush, and that would make an awful lot of sense. Clearly it's in the Bengals playbook, even no matter what I just said, you know, right. They, um, they, they have, have a lot practiced of some bro. screens and they have had run, run some screens. The fact that it wasn't like in the script, it wasn't it deeply ingrained in the playbook that they hadn't practiced for two straight weeks. That's the mm-hmm. shocking part. That is a little surprising. I mean, unless they didn't think their linemen were good at it or ever would be because they're not good enough athletes. Uh, That I can excuse. A lot's been made about why wasn't Mixon in the game for that particular play. And I think that's very fair. And I think there potentially is some coaching malpractice there. You know, Mixon looked great. You need to get him in there. But, and this even goes back to Gio Bernard, Mixon's never been a hundred percent of the snapped guy. I mean, on third and eight, he comes out. I mean, I know that wasn't the instance for this particular play, but they pass protection is unbelievably important at the running back position. And P Ryan's better at it than Mixon. You know I mean? Like not that Mixon's terrible, but there's a reason some of these guys stick in the league as third down backs that are really good in protection. And P Ryan's potentially one of those. I'm not excusing it. And the other thing, though, is running backs take themselves out of games a lot. I mean, maybe he needed a blow. I right. don't know. Yeah, maybe he was getting up late in the game because I had a huge question about how they went empty on a on that third and I think it was third and six, third and seven, something like that. They went empty backfield when they were running the ball and had an injured quarterback and just telling the whole world yeah, exactly yeah. what they're going to do is run a little slant, run a little quick game pass, which is exactly what they did. And the defenders' heels were on the the line to gain, and they tackled. Uh, I, I don't remember who it was. Was it quick a play tackle sample no or somebody? Down, yeah, right. Yeah, and it was like you told everybody watching on the couch, everybody, especially on uh, the the Bronco or the um, the the Rams defense and the Rams sideline knew exactly what the Bengals are going to run there with no running back in the game. Just even if he's not going to carry the ball, sometimes you got to have a little show me, but you're right. If P Ryan's the short yardage back, he's the short yardage back. So I think that's the simple answer with the third and one play. Yeah. And again, 
people overlook that there's a human element on the sidelines. I don't know. Maybe you need a new cleats. Maybe you just needed water. I mean, people come in and out of the games and it's pretty frantic and pretty hectic. The, especially in the Super Bowl, they don't get the option to hit pause on Madden, go get a beer and think it over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. You have to get, <laughs> I love that because people say that all the time. Like, why get this personnel and this, because there's a clock running and it's high stress situation. And <laughs> it's not like I got to pee. I'm going to grab a beer and order a pizza. And then I'm going to come back and run this play. That's the insane part of play calling because they've, they're right. getting the, as soon as they know the new down and distance, they're, on the mic and they're getting the play in because the quarterback has to relay it to the huddle and they've got to get lined up and snap the ball again in 40 seconds and that's the insane part of play calling which is why it's so difficult to be a head coach and a play caller at the same time there's so much going on on uh, during an NFL game play to play so play calling it's very easy Monday morning quarterback to uh, talk about play calling but that that's got to be one of the most difficult things you could possibly do in the world which is why they're so highly paid is being an offensive play caller. I mean, some of them, and, and I don't know the specifics of every team, but especially if there's a head, or, you know, sometimes it goes from the coordinator in the booth through the head coach's headset to somebody that signals it in, or, you know, like it, there's a chain of command. It's not just like you push a button and your quarterback and all 11 guys right. know what play it is, you know? Yep. Absolutely. A couple and more questions. Running and the fans are loud and, you know, the defense substitutes and, oh, no, you know, right. Let's finish this are, up. Are with we it. reviewing this or not? You know. <laughs> oh, it's 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 it's, it's crazy. insanity, yeah. uh, the the time and and how good they have to be, and then that's, and then you hope all eleven guys know where to be and know how to, to run the play. Yeah, and, and get lined up correctly can't because here and Arrowhead, it's yeah. loud and, yeah, and the headset the, goes out. The quarterback's and, you know, like, right. no, you're lined up in the wrong place, and then you got to put a guy in motion. And there's not ten seconds left to put a guy in motion, and still snap the ball. Right, and then they show you a blitz look, and you want to move your running back from the left side mm-hmm. to the right, and you don't have enough time, and then you get hit in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it works. I mean, before you know it, it's, it's you know the ball has to get zapped. It's nuts. All right, we finish it up. We've got a a trade proposal here, and a dynasty question. Let's go with the trade proposal first. We don't have to spend a ton of time about the Kyler Murray stuff, but it sounded like he apologized a little bit on social media yesterday, Matt, and he did uh, post a picture of himself in a Cardinals uniform, <laughs> which was key. So I think we can calm down at the Kyler Murray getting traded stuff, and um, he sort of tried to take responsibility for being a goofball without taking responsibility. He said uh, one part of his statement was, all this nonsense is not what I'm about. Never have been. Never will be. Except, guess what? Last week you were about it. That's why we're talking you about, were about it. it. So, yeah. yeah. So take some responsibility. Side note: I ran it by my 15 year old, and he's like, "Don't look that much into it. Oh, People really? change their yeah." Oh, yeah. I thought like, for sure a, you were going to say this I is a level opposite, of disrespect yeah. that we could never comprehend. And maybe he's wrong. He because I, I, I admit I'm kind of impressed with my son. He's like, "That's not really my bag. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff." But. I don't think it's as big as people think. Maybe he's wrong. And he was the first to admit to say, maybe I'm not the best 15-year-old to ask, which I was happy with. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. That means, uh, that means Matt Williamson did a good job. Yeah, I'm doing something right. Yeah, you know? yeah so anyway, I, I I think we can put some of this 
stuff to bed with Kyler Murray, and it would be insane if they traded Kyler Makes Murray no with his talent. Right, yeah. And, um, He's not going to play and first the of all, Oakland A's either. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He would be <laughs> – right. we've seen that. It's it's too hard to be good at baseball to take years off and, and be good at it. We, we've seen Drew Henson tried it. We saw Michael Jordan, uh, uh, you know, try right, it. Right. And it's like, look, you know, if you want to bounce around – back up. Yeah, it's there. If you want to bounce around in the minor leagues for a few years, sure. But Ride around in a bus. And right. You really think he's going to like that lifestyle? Yeah, come on. No. And there's not even an MLB season happening right now. So Oh that's... yeah, I guess that <laughs> anyway, Dave says if Kyler really is unhappy and wants out, how about cards swap him for Deshaun straight up? Both teams get an unhappy quarterback off their books, still end up with another talented football player. What do you think? Looks great on paper. I mean it, the obvious sticking point is is Watson going to jail? Is he getting suspended? Is he going to be wanted by owners and is he going to be forgiven if he's guilty you know i mean does anybody want him but uh, if you clear that hurdle i think that's a pretty fair deal i mean yeah, if fair. they both are clean i'd rather have watson but it's in the same neighborhood yeah and i would say watson's the one if you're okay with the off-field stuff if you become okay with that if ownership is cool with it this offseason you're probably getting a lot better deal bringing in watson for his contract versus what the future contract of Kyler Murray would be, which is coming up pretty soon, and versus what you would have to pay. I think there might be an extra first-rounder involved to get Murray instead of Watson because of everything that's going on. Agreed. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Last one. Josh, no. Josh says, might be a bit of a dynasty crossover here, but what is your read on Calvin Ridley? Should the Falcons and fantasy uh, keeper owners assume he's not playing next season and plan accordingly. What do you think? Calvin Ridley and a bigger question that's non-dynasty and focuses more on the Falcons. I talked about trading away Matt Ryan. I, you blow I blow I blow up the Falcons. Ridley. Yeah. Um, uh, you build around This could be a longer conversation than we have time for. <laughs> we can tease First, it for next time if you want. Yeah. I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, by the way, Locked on Dynasty, we are starting a new series where we're picking one draft player, like we just did Isaiah Spiller last night, to do a whole show on that on that guy. So draft dude. So check that out. Um, Ridley, I have no clue. It's kind of like commenting on Watson. I mean, I don't think anyone knows the answer. I'm not sure Ridley knows the answer. I'm not sure Falcons leadership knows the answer. But the more I look at the Falcons, the more I wish I could put a bet on the Falcons that is a long shot to have the first overall pick next year. I mean, I just think they need everything and they don't have a lot of resources to get it. So I'm kind of with you in that Grady Jarrett, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, I might sell everybody and start over. I think that's the way to go. I think that's absolutely I mean, all their the wins were against bad teams. I mean, I, I feel like I'm killing the Falcons, but I don't know what they're good at right now. Yeah. I, I don't know what the direction is that you think you're going to be, enough better in 2022 to compete with with your aging quarterback i I say you got to trade matt ryan while he's got a ton of value and he becomes instantly the biggest trade chip on the market i'd rather have matt ryan than jimmy garoppolo right and right now jimmy g is like the 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 bell of the ball yeah right i mean i know it's in division but if you put matt ryan in tom brady's spot that's not so bad or in drew Brees' spot that's not so bad you Mm -hmm. know pittsburgh washington Cool. Good stuff there. And uh, 
Tune in to Matt Williamson doing the Locked On Dynasty podcast daily. I'm doing Locked On 49ers, looking at your second listen. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. You can go to Locked On Bets as well with your boy Q Myers and expert analysis from Lee Sterling. They're talking about the sports betting world on a daily basis. Your team is covered no matter the sport right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.